Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Week five, final look. Greg Ehrenberg joined by Jeff Ulrich once again. Show sponsored by Yahoo. So, Jeff, we've got some pretty interesting options this week at the quarterback position. Uh, a massive chalk play, Dak Prescott, projected for nearly 20% ownership. I think this is the most ownership we've seen on a quarterback all year. Uh, you know, this is a little weird for me going up against the Giants because in a weird way, I almost think this is a weaker spot going up against the Giants than it's been in other, in, in other weeks we've seen just because we've seen Prescott have to throw the ball 50 times, and that shouldn't be the case this week. I mean, I think he's a good play. I think he might be going a little over-owned, though. What do you think of that? Yeah, it, it feels like a spot where everyone has bought into the Cowboys. Like, we've seen it three times in a row now. So everyone's just like, this is happening. Every week, the Cowboys are throwing the ball 50 times, and we're getting 35-plus points from Dak Prescott. Time to get on the train. Like, I'm not going to miss another week. So it does feel like that, right? Um, and... And look, I thought last week would be would be the week going up against like a rush first team in the Browns. Um, maybe the you know the Dallas rush defense just slowed that game down a bit because they're they're really not that bad a unit. I know they were terrible last week, but um, I thought that would be the spot. I think Cleveland though proved to be a little bit more of a proficient team than I think people realize. I think that I think that a lot of what happened last week was due to how good Cleveland is. Um, I know Cleveland got blown out week one, but I, I think that is actually a pretty good team with some really good running backs. And then you look at Seattle. Um, I, I'm hundred percent on board with what you said, man. Like I'm not trusting the giants to get in a shootout here. I'm not trusting it. It, it. I think it's uh I think it's an insane, insane thing that people are just, you know, obviously um, you know, the, 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 the pace that the Dallas Cowboys are playing at and just how many points they're allowing, but um, to, to trust that the giants are going to somehow keep this, just like a fast paced game where they're going to force Dak Prescott into throwing the ball all the time and, and uh, not allow them to grind a little clock, which, which they're going to want to do after that. I mean, you heard Mike McCarthy. So I think it's crazy. Um, I think there's, there's other really good spots too, that are going to get lower ownership. And um, you know, if, if Dak does it again, he does it again, but um, at these prices or at these ownership levels, yeah, it, it definitely warrants a fade because we just generally don't see quarterbacks get up to those kind of projections. Yeah, I mean, I still think he's viable. I'm not going to have zero exposure to him. I'm going to make game stacks there. I actually might have more exposure to Daniel Jones this week than I do to Dak Prescott, just because I think it's more likely that we see the Cowboys get off to a big lead and the Giants just have to throw the ball a lot to get back in. I mean, Daniel Jones at 5,400. We haven't seen him from him so far this year, but I mean, we saw a lot of fantasy upside from him last year. Uh, I always think he kind of gets a little bit of a pass because he's had one ridiculously good game in his career. It happens to be the first game he started. So I think a lot of people just hold on to like, hey, look, Daniel Jones is a really good prospect because he had that one really good game 
Uh, it hasn't really panned out since then. But at 5,400, I think that he's a pretty good GPP target. Do you have any interest in giant stacks uh, going up against the Cowboys? I mean, I do. And, and look, I don't want to talk down this game too much. I know I did off the start. But, you know, obviously uh, the, the Cowboys receivers are still really good. And, and one of them or, or two of them could even be viable plays. It's just when you get to the ownership levels that they're at and then you look at the other options, right? So that's kind of what I'm getting at. I agree. I think if I'm going to attack this game, it's probably going to be on the other side. But, but I mean, admittedly, I mean, I've been burned by the Giants once already this year. I don't really feel like going back to it again. So, you know, you have some of their plays getting chalky as well. You know, like Slayton and and and, and Daniel Jones stacks are going to be they're going to be popular. Um, it's a weird spot. Uh, you know, I think with how cheap the Giants are, you have to take a look at them. And and I think from that perspective, like you know, fitting in a Daniel Jones stack with like one of the one of the Cowboys receivers is a lot easier to do. It allows you to go to other games as well. So, you know, Daniel Jones still has that a little bit of rushing upside too. Um, the, the, I just feel like, I feel like as, as a, like the public just doesn't quite understand how bad the Giants have been this year <laughs> because everybody else in the NFC East is terrible. So it's like, they're just kind of, oh yeah, well, they're just as bad as everyone. They're not as bad as everyone else. They're the worst. Like they, they cannot even, they can't do anything. I mean, it's, it's been an absolute disaster. So really does scare me a little bit. I'm not going to be eating a ton of chalk in this game, as you can probably guess, but I can't sit here and say that it's not tempting to play like a $10,000, you know, total like Jones Slayton stack. Cause it's really tempting. Um, it's still a bad uh, Dallas secondary and trusting the Dallas defense to get, you know, anything done is, is, you know, a tough pill to swallow too. So I do like Slayton in this matchup. I could see Slayton going for a big game. Maybe just playing him on, on an island by himself might even be a good play um, rather than just stacking this whole game, which I think has a little bit bigger bust potential than people are giving credit for. So, And as bad as the Giants are, a win today and they move right into a tie for first place in the NFC East because nobody in that division ever wins games. Uh, one other situation here that I think is really interesting, uh, when Bill O'Brien got fired earlier in the week, my first thought was, hey, Finally, we a little bump for this Texans offense. Bill O'Brien no longer calling plays. Maybe they could finally get something going. They can't get worse. It can only be a positive for them. Maybe it ends up being a neutral. Uh, but with that said, Deshaun Watson is picking up a decent amount of ownership this week. He was pretty popular last week. I thought people were going to be off him, except apparently that's not the case since he's coming in as the second highest owned quarterback behind Dak Prescott. How do you feel about Watson this week? And do you think the firing of Bill O'Brien will help the offense at all? Yeah. This almost feels like a trap. Like we're just, you know, buying into this. Oh, it's going to be so different now. But realistically, what has changed? I mean, you know, obviously they still have like limited receivers. It just hasn't worked. Deshaun Watson, quite frankly, hasn't looked good. Like he has looked like he is missing DeAndre Hopkins. I was one of those people who said I, I didn't really think it was going to be that big a deal for Dak Prescott. It's been a big deal so far. So it feels a little trappy from that perspective. Um, and now the ownership is up there. Like people are kind of saying, well, you know, I mean, obviously it's Deshaun Watts. He's got a ton of rushing upside and, you know, he's under 7K. Um, now he's, he's trending towards being like the second highest owned quarterback. So it's a little worrisome for sure. I still kind of like the spot a little bit better. Um, Jacksonville as a defense has been like, they're just, they're just not tackling. They're just not doing anything. They're being banged up. So this could easily be one of those spots where just from start to finish, Houston comes out and just, you know, lays the wood to them. And it's like, you know, every drive they're going down, they're getting in scoring position. It really does feel like that game. And if you look at the matchups and stuff like that, you know, David Johnson should get going here as well. So I know this is turning out to be a little bit more chalky than people thought, but I still really like the upside for this stack. You just wonder if 
can Jacksonville keep this close? That's what I'm a little bit worried about. Does this just turn into, uh, oh, they get up 21 and then you just don't quite get enough to get there? I think that's the worry I have with the Deshaun Watson stack um, and maybe why like paying down for, um, you know, like a Bridgewater or Matt Ryan might be better because I feel like the game situation there is way more conducive to we're going to see them throwing back and forth all game because the defenses there just aren't any good. So. Uh, so you mentioned paying down for quarterbacks there, Bridgewater, Ryan. I agree with you. I think both of them are fine options, a little bit less ownership than Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. I mean, once we get past Watson and Prescott, the ownership's pretty flat. Everybody's, you know, 10% or lower, which is kind of what we see. There's always a lot of a lot of quarterbacks that are in that, you know, 5 to 10% owned range. Uh, is there anybody who's really low-owned at the position that stands out to you this week? There's really not a ton that I want to take a shot with. I mean, there's there's always going to be players out there, obviously, that have upside. I mean, Kyler Murray coming in at, at under 5% is probably the most interesting, right? You know, we talk about, um, you know, the, the 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 Texans coming in against like a beat up Jags defense. I mean, why why can't why can't Kyler Murray and, and DeAndre Hopkins just go absolutely ham and, and throw like six touchdowns here against just a, a completely listless Jets offense? I mean, it, it doesn't sound sexy because you know the Jets aren't going to have the firepower to come back, but we see this play out a lot of times. I mean, teams just come in and dominate, and all of a sudden. You're like, oh my God, Kyler Murray's got four first half touchdowns. Like, why didn't I play him? It was such an obvious spot. So he's under five, he's projecting for well under 5% owned. That is definitely the guy that sticks out to me the most. You do have a loan, Lamar Jackson again. I'm a little bit worried there because everyone there seems to be questionable. So I think if I was going to choose between the two, I'd probably go to Kyler and that Arizona stack. I think they're due for a big bounce back after kind of getting their offense, especially, got a, a little bit embarrassed last week. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I love Kyler Murray this week. Uh, I mean, if you remember from last week, I was really high on Lamar Jackson. And even though the ownership is once again really low and it's a favorable spot for him against the Bengals, like you, I worry about that energy, about that injury. Uh, even though it seems like there's no real risk of him missing the game, he was sick or something during the week. Then he had a knee injury. He didn't really start practicing until Friday. So you look at the matchup against the Bengals, one that I think the Ravens should win fairly comfortably. I just don't know what the need is to, in the fourth even maybe in the third quarter, have Lamar Jackson run the ball as much as he usually does. I think that this could maybe be a Mark Ingram game where they just run him a lot and try to, you know, keep Lamar Jackson healthy. So I'm not really on Jackson this week. I totally agree with you on Kyler Murray, though. He was probably the highest owned quarterback for the first two weeks of the season. Then he has one bad game, and all of a sudden everybody's like, well, can't roster Kyler Murray anymore. He's no good now, which it's yeah. just an oversight to me because – and there aren't many quarterbacks that are higher upside than Kyler Murray. The Cardinals are going to throw the ball a ton. He's going to rush a lot. We've seen him score a few touchdowns on the ground this year. I love Kyler Murray. I think if you're taking a shot at a lower-owned quarterback to pivot off everybody, it, it's got to be Kyler Murray at 7,200. It is a little expensive, but nobody on the field is on him, and that's kind of how I felt about Lamar Jackson that worked out for me last week. Uh, any other quarterbacks you want to touch on before we move on? Uh, not really. I mean, uh, again, it, it kind of feels like it is a little bit condensed week where you're, you know, I think a lot of eyes are just going to like two or three games. And I think rightfully so. Like, I, I mean, I'm usually someone who likes to try and bring out other games and, and potential, but I don't, I don't really see a lot of spots where I'm just like super pumped to get on a quarterback wide receiver stack. You could try the Kyle Allen thing. I mean, he, you know, he's going to check down a lot with his, his tight ends. That could work out, but I mean, that is, you know, I, I, I'm just not sure if you're going to get enough from him. I know, I know he's going to be a great value, but um, like on this week, we don't have a ton of like a, a 10 game Christian McCaffrey to pay up for. I just don't think you need to do that. So 
Kyler Murray definitely sticks out as like the lone guy for me. Maybe Derek Carr and, and, and just playing the, the fast pace of the KC on the other side, but um, I don't really like that as much. So uh, it's really kind of Kyler bust below. And, oh, actually, I should, I'll give a little shout out to, to Ben Roethlisberger, actually. Um, okay. Philly is not a great defense. Like you've seen what they, they do against the tight end, which isn't much. Um, I, you know, Pittsburgh coming off a bye. I could see that being a similar type of scenario where they're the, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense just, just gets just blows from start to finish. Um, you know, a couple of their wide receivers, maybe Juju gets going in the slot. We've seen Pittsburgh do this before, especially at home, just, just come and slaughter teams, you know, when they're, when they're coming off and, and a weaker pass uh, defense. So I actually kind of like the, the upside there for, for a Pittsburgh stack. Again, I'm, it's not really something I'm going out of my way to do, or, or I would go out of my way to do, but um I think there is. I think it's it's viable that that Ben throws like four or five touchdowns this week, um, coming off a bye, essentially bye. So um, I, I, you know, especially at like one percent under one percent owned, I think that's worth a look if you're doing like a ton and ton of, of GPP lineups. Yeah, one note on Kyle Allen before we go on. I mean, forty-one hundred for a quarterback is pretty tough to totally ignore. The one thing though is, I mean, Dwayne Haskins did absolutely nothing, and I don't think Kyle Allen's a massive upgrade over him. The Reds, uh, the Washington football team almost slipped up there. Caught myself. Got the got the right name out. So w- with Washington, there's just the offense is terrible. There's no weapons, and it's a tough matchup against the Rams defense. So it, yep. it's just tough for me to envision a big upside game from Kyle Allen. If you want to throw him into cash just to save some money, I think that makes sense because per dollar, I still think he's a good option. I, I just don't really see him having enough upside to win a GPP. The other thing, as you mentioned. It's not like there's some other guy we're paying up for. There's no Christian McCaffrey this week. There's no, there's no, we don't have Kamara on the slate at 9,000 or something that that's a pay up for. So I think given the context of the slate, Kyle Allen doesn't make all that yeah. much sense. I mean, and we know who he is, right? Like he's not a super proficient downfield passer. Like if he's going to be, if he's going to get like multiple touchdowns in this game, it's probably going to be to like Logan Thomas or something. So I think just playing like one of the cheap guys like that or JD McKissick or something is probably a better option. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think you need to go there. So, All right. Today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. So moving on to the running backs now. Uh, I think one guy here that we obviously really need, well, there's a bunch of guys we really need to talk about, but Ezekiel Elliott in particular, uh, I know that he's going to be really chalky this week. However, if I'm playing one chalk guy from the Cowboys and I can only pick one of them, to me, it's Ezekiel Elliott. I prefer him to the wide receivers. I prefer him to Dak Prescott. I just think this matchup against the Giants, the Cowboys should be able to get out ahead. And the other thing, too, is with everybody rostering all these Elliott, Prescott, Cooper combinations, it's just so hard to envision all of them going off at the same time. We saw this a few weeks ago with... uh, it was uh, Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake, and DeAndre Hopkins. All three of them had a ton of ownership, and it just didn't really make a- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A lot of sense because there was no situation where all three of them were going to go off. I kind of feel the same way about this game. 
And to me, I think Ezekiel Elliott has the best game script going up against the Giants. Are you scared of the ownership on him at all? I'm, I'm definitely less scared about the ownership on, on Zeke. I'm actually not really that scared of it at all. I think we've seen Zeke Elliott get involved in every type of situation too, like almost be a better play when the, when the, when the Cowboys are behind because they just, you know, they just dump off so much and they get in against his prevent defenses. So, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like I, I don't mind paying up for Zeke at all on the spot. I think that one thing that might, and this might actually keep his ownership down a little bit, like the Giants rush defense has been pretty good so far. Um, and I think people will look at that and be like, wow, this is, and they have actually looked pretty good against guarding and run, which is weird, but I'm not necessarily sold. This is like a, a rush defense you need to avoid either. Right. So um, I, I think a lot of what they've done against opposing running backs, maybe just circumstance and, and maybe just how they played. So um, just again, just how the games have gone and, and how they've thrown out their defenses. I don't necessarily think that this is going to be, a spot where they're just going to completely shut down Zeke Elliott on the road. So um, I, I agree. I think that I think Dallas does slow this game down a little bit. And I love what you said about just, you know, all these combinations, they just can't go off there. They just can't keep continuing to go off. And when you, when you think about it like that, well, you still want to get a piece of this game. Who's the most likely guy to do it on his own, like as an, on an Island it's Zeke for sure, because there's so many scenarios where Zeke can pay off for you. It doesn't even necessarily have to be, um, you know, Dallas just gets out in front and he runs, runs, runs. It could be a little bit of passing involved. Even in a close game, he could pay off. So I, I'm I'm fine. Like, he's not projecting to be the, the top bone. I mean, again, we have Dak as clearly the top bone QB. Zeke is, is, you know, somewhere in there in the top five, but he's not clearly uh, the most chalky or anything like that. So I like it. I would like paying up for him. I think on this slate, too, you have to think, like, again, we don't have a ton of people to pay up for, and not everyone's paying up for him. So I, I think it just makes it an even better spot. So I know last week and going back, you've not been a big Mike Davis guy this week. I mean, this this year. But looking at the ownership this week, I mean, he's he's projecting to be the highest owned player on the entire slate. He's kind of playing the pseudo Christian McCaffrey role. He's super involved in the passing game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater seems to check down to him a million times per game. And now going up against the Atlanta Falcons, a team that has historically given up a ton of receptions to running backs. Are you finally on Mike Davis? Or are you staying away from him this week? No, I mean, I, I don't know how you can keep avoiding this, obviously. I mean, and, and in this spot, too. I mean, I probably should have just given in last week. I mean, I, I kind of knew what, what was going to happen here. It's just so hard to get your mind around uh, a guy like Mike Davis all of a sudden being thrust into this this every down, like, huge role. But there's, there's really no reason. I mean, look, for, for him to bust, he'd have to get, like, you know, maybe just limit himself to, like, five targets and maybe only catch three of those and maybe only get like 15 carries and stay out of the end zone. So we're talking like a bust game is going to be like 80 yards and like three catches. Like that feels like his absolute min floor right now, which is, is pretty crazy to say. So, and against uh, Atlanta, I mean, obviously we, we have like a very low, just a lower bust potential. I mean, there, there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of potential this game breaks out. I mean, um, I, I, can't, I can't even really make a case for, for, for fading him this week, except just uh, as a pure ownership thing, right? Just as, as a, if you're targeting other games and he just doesn't fit him in or you just want to target the wide receivers there, that's really the only reason why you kind of fade Mike Davis, right? Just from a roster construction standpoint, you're not going to play all the chalk and, and, and things like that. So cash games, I mean, I, I don't know why you wouldn't start with him, quite frankly, uh, and, and all that. There's honestly just not much to say at this point. He's just, it's just happening. We all have to accept it. I mainly have to accept it. 
Um, but uh, Mike Davis is a thing until Christian McCaffrey gets back. And um, like I said, it's his floor looks as solid as it gets. So he's not expensive enough. I mean, that's what the no, issue it, is. Is especially exactly. and he, he's more of a DraftKings play than a FanDuel play because it's, right. it's not like he's especially good or efficient. It's just they throw him the ball ten times a game, and yeah, when you're I getting mean, a point per reception, just the, the floor is so high there, and then the ceiling also because he's getting red zone work. So it's hard to avoid Mike Davis on DraftKings. I think there's more of a case that you don't have to roster him on FanDuel, but but I agree, you need some Mike Davis exposure this week. I would certainly play him in cash games as well. Uh, with that said, there are some interesting pivots off of Mike Davis because. There's a whole lot of running backs that I think are in good spots, pricing that 6K range. Uh, we've got Josh Jacobs at 6,300, CEH 6,800, uh, Kareem Hunt's at 6,500. Really tough matchup for him against the Colts, but I mean, he figures to play a massive role now that Nick Chubb is out. Of some of these other guys in the 6,000 range, which of them do you think makes for the best pivot off of Mike Davis? Uh, I like I like the fact that we're seeing Josh Jacobs go down a little bit he, he was projecting to be a little bit chalky but I think everyone's kind of like me getting on the like I got to get a piece of Mike Davis train and now we're seeing Josh Jacobs ownership seep down which is great to see quite frankly because I didn't want to have to play like Mike Davis and like you know 30 percent owned Josh Jacobs as well so um Josh Jacobs as you know ran for like seven yards uh, per carry against KC last year um KC for all they do well on defense and they've They've been really good on defense. They still don't stop the run well at all. Um, Las Vegas's path to winning this game is rush Josh Jacobs 30 times, like just down their throat, get him into the end zone a few times. And Jacobs says, uh, I mean, his PPR totals has picked up a bit. You're not going to get the same kind of, obviously, production in that area from Mike Davis, but I think you've got a way better chance of hitting the rush bonus, a way better chance. Well, I shouldn't say way, way better chance of getting in the end zone, but I think you've got a better chance of him seeing the end zone a couple times um yeah I, I definitely like Josh Jacobs in this matchup again you know this is just the way you attack KC um I, I think that people are a little bit off him too because he's had some really tough matchups he's going to get up against the Colts the Patriots and they've kept him out of the end zone since that three touchdown game so people are a little bit down on him that that's where I would go that's my first inclination but um you know you mentioned Hunt uh CEH uh the both both those guys are in play but you know if you're if you're asking me to who who I like uh, the best out of those three it's gonna be Josh Jacobs yeah, I mean, if you look at the pricing here, it, it's a it's a pretty good win for the running backs don't matter crew because we've got Mike Davis who basically went undrafted in fantasy leagues this year at 6,400. Josh Jacobs, a first-round pick this year at 6,300. And then you go all the way down, we've got uh, another first-round pick this year, Miles Sanders at 6,500. If I'm going to take a shot on somebody with no ownership this week, uh, to me it's Miles Sanders at 6,500. It's a tough matchup going up, going up against the Steelers. But still, he's going to be so involved in the Eagles' offense going forward. He also started the year a little bit banged up, so I do think that his workload should increase a little bit going forward. And then still, I mean, it's just with the involvement in the pass game, the run game, I, I think that he's kind of game script safe. Like, I think whether the Eagles are ahead, whether they're behind, he's going to be on the field. Uh, I would be pretty surprised if we see him any lower than or any less expensive than 6500 going forward. Do you like Miles Sanders? And is there any other really just running back that stands out to you that's getting no ownership this week? I, I don't mind the Miles Sanders play. I mean, I, I definitely understand it. And again, like a lot of these 6,500 plays, obviously projecting for well over 10%. So you're getting Sanders at the ownership you want him at, right? Like, which is like half these guys. I mean, is Miles Sanders going to outscore? Or is, you know, is, is Kareem Hunt going to outscore Miles Sanders like three times out of four I mean probably not he's probably going to do it you know closer to like 60 percent or something but um 
Definitely. Like the, the, the PPR totals could go through the roof here. I mean, Pittsburgh's got a great pass rush. Carson Wentz doesn't have anyone to throw to downfield anyways. So you, it's more of a game script thing you're, you're playing, obviously, but it, it absolutely could work out because Sandals would be on the field. So I don't mind that at all. Um, definitely just for the ownership, uh, obviously an ownership play. I'm still seeing Jared. I, 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 I'm massive on Jared McKinnon this week. I mean, if he okay. gets that backfield to himself, he's going to be a big play. It's a really interesting situation. Right now he's projecting for around uh, 4% ownership on uh, Osimo. And the thing is, Raheem Mostert is still questionable. So I'm not sure how much that's going to go up. Like, I don't think people are just going to be okay with not having Raheem Mostert news and just putting Jarek McKinnon in the flex and be like, okay, I'll just, you know, go for it. Like, they're, they're just not going to do that. So I, I, I look at this as an opportunity. I will take a shot. And even if Raheem Mostert plays... I'll, I'll live and die with it because I, I think McKinnon is the type of player where even if he gets 12 touches could still get you um, like 25 points. So um, he does have that kind of explosiveness and it's the exact kind of matchup you want against Miami. Maybe one of maybe the worst rush defense in the league, definitely like a bottom five. So that was the, that's the other dude. Like I really want a piece of, um, and again, you know, almost hoping that we don't get Raheem Oster news till kickoff because I think that ownership will stay really low um, if it doesn't. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's not, I mean, I think the one other play in that range, in that 6K range that kind of stuck out to me, and I just want to see, is, yeah, is James Robinson. He's projecting for a little bit lower ownership than some of these other guys we've seen. And again, I think if you're doing a fuller Deshaun Watson kind of stack or you're going to stack the, the Texans, I kind of like coming back with James Robinson. We've seen, like, he's going to be involved in the passing game too. And, uh, you know, the Texans do not have a good rush, uh, rush defense they've actually been okay. Like their corners are playing pretty good against the pass. So um, I, I think that if you're going to use like uh, Deshaun Watson, thinking about coming back with James Robinson as a bit of a low and play is, is viable as well. Cause I think that's, that's kind of the Jacksonville Jaguar I would be targeting uh, if you're going to stack that game. Yeah. I'm on board with that. James Robinson has been great this year. Uh, also involved in the pass game involvement in the run game. So I think that he's a guy who, even if the Texans get off to a pretty big lead, I think we could see, uh, James Robinson catch some balls because they're not using Chris Thompson nearly as much as I thought they were going to coming into the yeah, year. Exactly. Uh, it, it is pretty funny to go back and think about some of the guys that we liked or just anybody liked in week one where I was like, hey, this could be a big year for Chris Thompson. The Jaguars are going to suck. They're going to be in a lot of situations where they have to throw the ball. Instead, it's like, no, Chris Thompson is just never going to yeah. touch the field. So it yeah. doesn't matter. Top 15 ownership guys right now. We got um, Miles Gaskin, James Robinson, and Mike Davis leading the pack. Like, oh, yeah, we could have totally predicted that, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys who didn't even have a gig heading yeah. into week one. <laughs> oh, man. Good old time. All right. So let's move over to the wide receivers. Uh, once again, DJ Moore picking up a ton of ownership. And once again, I just don't understand it. It's not to say this isn't a bad spot for DJ Moore. He's not a viable play. But it just every week he comes out projected as one of the higher-owned wide receivers on, on the slates. And he just doesn't really do that much. He's, he's fine. He's involved. Uh, and I think there is some upside there. It's uh, definitely a matchup he could do well in against the Falcons. But still, I just don't think it warrants 25% ownership. Actually, interesting enough, Robbie Anderson's the second highest owned wide receiver this week. And Anderson's been the much better fantasy option between the two of them. Uh, I've, I've preferred Anderson to more for a lot of the season. I don't think you can't play more, but there's no way I want to go anywhere near what his ownership is when I'm making multiple lineups. So why is it that DJ Moore keeps picking up all this ownership? Yeah, people just do not want to quit him. Like they, they literally do not want this guy to fail. So uh, I do think it is just a little bit of, you know, people just trying to 
you know, they've seen uh, black come up like four times now on the roulette table and they're just <laughs> expecting red. I mean, that's, I think a lot of it is just that mentality. Look, we know DJ Moore is a pretty solid wide receiver, right? But at the same time, like he hasn't really proven that the Carolina offense is going to flow through him and he's still 6K. I went back and watched the, you know every single basically wide receiver snap of that Carolina game because, I, 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 again, I wasn't really sold on Robbie Anderson before last week, um, I, I admit. Like the, they are moving Robbie Anderson around everywhere. It's not just like this is Robbie Anderson running downfield and like, oh, it's just a lucky thing. They're using him on screens. He's motion all the time. Like this is when Robbie Anderson is on the field, the ball is basically going to Robbie Anderson. So um, you really like that. And I think you really, really like that in this game against Atlanta. Um, now, look, I, obviously, I don't know what the coach, you know, what the coaches are going to do this week. Maybe they maybe they do that DJ more. But the role I saw is DJ Moore is basically just playing on the outside. He's he's going downfield, and if, if he's open, he'll go there. But, like, the, the plays aren't being necessarily designed to get, like, DJ Moore open. They're designing to get Robbie Anderson open. So that's what I've seen. And then you also throw Curtis Samuel into that mix. It just takes away more chance that DJ Moore is going to get, like, 12 targets. So I don't understand it at all. I get the game situation. I get he's a good player, but it's just not warranted. It's it's absolutely not warranted. So that, that's about all I have to on the, the Carolina uh, game. I'll have Robbie Anderson exposure. I probably won't have any DJ Moore exposure. Yeah, that's another weird situation where we have not only is there all this Cowboys chalk, which is a little bit more sensible to me. We've got Teddy Bridgewater is one of the five highest owned QBs this week. We've got Mike Davis is the highest owned running back. And then DJ Moore is the number one wide receiver and Robbie Anderson, number two wide receiver in projected ownership. It's not that it's a bad situation. And the Falcons always play up pace. There's a ton of points scored in their games. Uh, the best situation possible is the Falcons are up big in the fourth quarter because that's when we know that the Panthers are probably going to light up their defense. Uh, but still, like really, people are just going to make lineups with four Panthers players in them. It just it just seems yeah. so crazy to me. It's just it's it's a hard hard thing that they'll you know to, to get it to work. So um, you know you, you obviously got to think of. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You want exposure to these games. And like we're obviously not trying to talk you off getting exposure to the Carolina Atlanta game, but yeah, you got to think about it. I mean, do you want to rely on four Carolina players, you know, to get you like, you know, over 25 points each or something. Um, this, this is a team like Teddy Bridgewater isn't throwing a ton, ton downfield. They're getting, like I said, they're getting Anderson open on a bunch of different routes and stuff like that. And you like the PPR work, but the, the downfield passes haven't really been there. I think Anderson's longest play was basically just a broken play. So something to think about, um, you know, again, I want exposure to it, but uh, it's going to be like, you know, it, it's going to be more, it's going to be more muted than just stacking like the top four plays from that everyone likes. So for sure. All right. So let's talk about this Falcons wide receiver situation. Uh, total mess for anybody who played showdown the other day, because the Falcons, uh, obviously they had Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley were both questionable to play that game. And so right before the game started, Julio Jones, Julio ends up playing and was kind of decent in the first half had, I think it was four yeah. catches for 41 yards or something like that doesn't come out for the second half. So then you figure, oh, must be a big second half for Calvin Ridley. Uh, No, Calvin Ridley, who was in the mix with DeAndre Hopkins as the leading receiver coming into the week, catches zero passes the entire game. 
So what are we doing with the Falcons here? Julio Jones is questionable to play. I assume he sits. Even if he plays, it is so hard for me to trust him right now. He is projecting for almost no ownership. Uh, but more interested I am in is uh, Calvin Ridley. I think that it's a good spot to go back to him. How do you feel about these Falcons wideouts? Yeah, I, I love Calvin Ridley this week. I'm on board. And I think this is the way you you kind of attack this this um this game. I, I think I think Calvin Ridley is the play personally. That that's I'm I'm gonna you know I'll stake my claim on that. That I think that the the highest scorer from this game will be Calvin Ridley. Um I think it's a great matchup. They don't have a shutdown corner. I mean, look, Jari Alexander out there on Green Bay. Green Bay's a good team. Like they're a solid team with a solid defense. I know they've allowed a lot of yards, but um they do have a shutdown corner, like uh you know, Atlanta for, you know, without Julio Jones, it's just going up against a solid team that Atlanta's just not, they're not proficient enough, but they, they obviously the matchup is entirely different. I mean, we're talking about a Carolina defense with not good players on it, obviously, and, and then just ranking low and, and pretty much across the board. And um, there's no corners here that scare me off of Calvin Ridley. There's no pass rush here. I think that that might be the biggest thing too, Greg, right? Like Matt Ryan's going to be able to sit back there. I mean, you look at adjusted sack rate and things, Carolina's like last, like uh, I mean, bottom two, bottom three. So, I really like Calvin Ridley in this spot. I think he gets off the off the mat here. Um, he's had a good week of practice from everything I've read. Um, you know, maybe there was a little bit of injury stuff going on last week. It doesn't seem like that's going to be a big factor this week, though. At least, at the very least, we get a, a week of kind of you know good good practice and rest. So um, he's going to be you know looks like projecting for 14% ownership. Nowhere near the chalk. Um, I like attacking Calvin Ridley, and then you can add you know the Carolina plays on the other side. Maybe just throw him in with Mike Davis. Maybe throw him in with Robbie Anderson, but. That's where I like paying up for in that game. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm going to have him. So some of the other chalk, we've talked about the Cowboys offense. Amari Cooper coming in really popular. Uh, I think that all three of the Cowboys receivers, you could make a case for playing them between Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. Of the three, I think Lamb makes for the strongest play. Uh, he looks by far like the best wide receiver out of this draft class. He's been terrific for the Cowboys. A lot of upside, too. Michael Gallup always gets a little bit more or at least comparable ownership to CeeDee Lamb. I don't get it. Michael Gallup has had over five targets in just one game so far this year. To me, I think Lamb is pretty clearly the second wide receiver on the Cowboys. And there's never that much of a price difference between the two. Uh, actually, Gallup's been more expensive than Lamb a lot of the season. Lamb is $600 more expensive than him this week. I still think the price gap should be bigger. Gallup always has that home run type play upside where at any point we could see, you know, that 80 yard touchdown from Michael Gallup. But outside of that, he generally doesn't have really big games. Uh, Cooper's, the ownership's already on Cooper. 7,400, 19% owned amongst the most expensive receivers. He's going to be the highest owned. I think that Lamb is the guy that I want to stake my claim in of this trio and the guy that I'm looking to in game stacks. Uh, how do you feel about the Cowboys wideouts? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, look, Michael Gallup could happen in this game. Um, he's, he's, he's getting, like, the targets he's getting are downfield, so you could end up with a situation where, you know, Dak likes the matchup and, and it's not a bad matchup. I mean, I think James Bradbury has played very well, but he's more likely to, to set up against Amari Cooper, which I actually think drags Cooper down a little bit. Bradbury's played well, um, but, but Lamb in the slot, Darnay Holmes, um, you know, just look at the, uh, how these guys have played, whatever. I mean, this is a good matchup for CD Lamb. So, you know, Gallup is more of, of like a, you're just going to kind of, if you obviously, if you're going to make some Cowboys stacks, you're going to want some exposure to Michael Gallup. He's cheap enough too that, you know, you, and he's going to be lower owned. Like she's not even going to be that lower owned, but I still feel like if you're making a bunch of, of Cowboys stacks, 
you're going to want some exposure to him. Uh, he wouldn't be my highest exposed uh, wide receiver. I would, I would agree. I, I think for me, that would be Lamb as well. But the, the way they're using him right now is, I mean, obviously, you know, Lamb is more just the, the kind of, uh, you know, pseudo tight end, whereas Gallup is just getting a few downfield targets. And if they work out great, you know, and it's a big play, but if they don't, you're just left with nothing. And, and he's not getting the same kind of uh, treatment as, as far as volume. So CD Lamb is the play here for me. I agree. Um, I'm, Cooper would be, it's a bold fade, but I, I'm actually okay at fading Mark Cooper this week. Um, I just talked about Ridley at that same price. I would much rather go to Ridley. All right. So moving down the ownership ranks, one guy who I think is getting overlooked, which makes sense because the quarterback's getting overlooked too, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, this is a really good matchup against the Jets. And if we look at how the Cardinals have utilized Hopkins this year, he's getting a billion targets. Like They're throwing Hopkins as often as they can. Uh, I know last week he didn't have a huge fantasy game, but at least on DraftKings, it was still salvageable because he caught a ton of passes. He only went for 41 yards, except he had enough PPR points that it was an okay game. I, I think that if we look at him, I understand he's a little expensive at 7,900, but we, it's not like we have that many guys to spend up for this week. I think that in the high um, on the high end, Hopkins is a really good pivot off for Mari Cooper. I like that stack with Kyler Murray. How do you feel about Hopkins, and are you willing to pay up for him? Yeah, it's... Again, we you're like we just don't. There's no one over 8K to pay up for, so this isn't hard to fit in. It really isn't, and we have some some decent um, some decent mid price guys. We could even think about um, things like that. So, if you're, I, I, I mean, look, the, the more I knew, I already kind of liked it, but just the more we we talk about it here, obviously, and going through these other games, I mean, the Kyler DeAndre Hopkins stack has to make some sense. I mean, the 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 Cardinals have like a 30 point team total. Like somebody is going to have a big day on that team for them. I mean, what are they going to do? Score three defensive touchdowns. I know it's Joe Flacco. So maybe that is in the mix, but like probably still not going to happen. Right. Maybe it is Kenyon Drake time. I don't know. I'm not even going to like go there with, as far as analysis, <laughs> it's just, there's nothing he's just, he's just playing terrible. Right. So, um, you know, the, the, the rational thought here is Kyler Deandre probably going to have a massive day. This is not a good secondary. You saw um, Tim Patrick and Brett Rippon go for big plays against them last week. Like, what is DeAndre Hopkins going to do against this team? I mean, you could easily see another a couple touchdown days. So, yeah, I love it. Um, I wrote him up on, uh, you know, the Osmo. You can go from the from the slot articles free out there. It, it shows you a little bit of the, the Osmo grading at each position. You can go check that out. It's free on the site. Um, but uh, that, he was he was my target for for wide receivers. I mean, he grades out really well. Um, the ownership is way, way lower than we've seen on him at any week in the season. There's there's really nothing not to like here, um, except maybe like you just think that, you know, Arizona gets up and just tries, tries to grind it away. But I don't think that after two losses, Arizona is in a spot where they can just get up and be like, okay, let's just give the ball to Kenyon Drake and let him go run for two yards of carry and we'll be good. Like they, they got to put their, their foot to the pedal here if they get up. I mean, this is like they can't afford to lose three in a row. So love the spot for DeAndre. Um, like I said, guys, definitely check out the site and hit that like button for us too. Uh, we appreciate it, guys. If this is finally the Kenyon Drake week, the internet is going to go nuts because everybody played Kenyon Drake for so long. He's been terrible and great in matchups. Everybody is off Kenyon Drake. Now I'm off Kenyon Drake this week. I want nothing to do with Kenyon Drake. You're talking Actually, to a guy who's got him <laughs> in like his, all his season long leagues too, like an idiot. So, you know, I, I, I'm like stuck with Kenyon Drake. I'm just like, we're, we're living together until like something happens. <laughs> so like, it's like a bad relationship, right? Like no one's willing to leave the apartment or whatever. Like we're just stuck together. So I, I think we're not that far from Chase Edmonds time, but yeah, we'll see. Not somebody I'm willing to roster quite yet, except no. I, I think we, I think we could be heading there in the near future. 
Uh, one more wide receiver I wanna I wanna talk on because this is somebody who absolutely crushed me last week. Uh, last week was my best uh, my best slate of the year so far for football. But I had a handful of lineups that scored over 200 points on DraftKings that got a, a goose egg out of Brandon Cooks. Now, there was a couple issues with Brandon Cooks. Number one, uh, like we talked about before, Deshaun Watson has not played particularly well this year. As a whole, the Texans' offense has been terrible. The other thing also is Brandon Cooks just didn't get a lot of targets last week. Uh, it seemed like it was going to be a really good spot for him. It just didn't really come to fruition. The one thing that I think we could see now that there's a coaching change in Houston is we could see different wide receivers get prioritized. I still think Cooks is a high upside guy. I think there's a chance for him to go off. At 4,100, I like his upside. I'm not going to be quite as bullish on him this week as I was last week. I'm still going to mix him in, though. 4,100 is really cheap for wide receiver, the kind of upside that Cooks has. Is it crazy to go back to him after what he did last week? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, if we'd like Deshaun Watson to, to go off here, I mean, like, you know, he's, he's, he's the, the, he's the most like sort of other dude other than Will Fuller that we can kind of target. I mean, Aikens is banged up. Randall Cobb is just, you know, catching five yard passes over the middle and then sort of falling forward. So that's not going to get us anywhere. Um, yeah. Brandon Cooks has looked fine to me when he's been on the field. It's just like this offense is so just out of sync. I mean, Deshaun Watson's out of sync. The whole line is out of sync. It just does not look good. So but if you're playing them this week, you're obviously playing that the coaching change is going to change some of this. So like you said, you might as well change, you, you might as well roster a little brand, bit of Brandon Cooks with Deshaun Watson and figure that the change does help him because he looks fine. There's, I don't think it's a Brandon Cooks issue. And, and I know I actually read something on Deshaun Watson right before this. He basically just said, you know, I was looking for Cooks. He just, you know, the scheme, like he was never open. And uh, I just ended up not going there. So I don't think it was anything to do with what Cooks was doing. I think that uh, a lot of it was just the scheme that was being deployed and, and the and the opponent. But at some point, like they they got to get this guy the ball. I mean, I, I, so I agree. I, I think that if he's forty one hundred. He's going to be nothing owned. At the very least, you throw him in with with like a, a triple stack with Deshaun Watson in, in some kind of manner. Um, I, there's just too much potential there. I mean, you just don't need. You basically need like two long plays for this to pay off. So uh, and at the ownership levels you're getting, I don't mind it. I mean, it, it's not like a must have for me, but. Um, yeah, if, if you're big on Deshaun Watson, you, you, he's the he's the other guy I, I would mix in 100% other than the chalk. Yeah, it, it's just he's so cheap versus what we've seen him priced at historically. In theory, this should be a much better situation for him with the Texans than he had last year as kind of the third wide receiver with the Rams. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we do see him get off eventually unless he's just totally washed, which, you know, maybe that's the case also. And, and I'll find out too. He doesn't look washed, though. Like when, when he gets the ball in space. And he's healthy. <laughs> yeah, he looks, he looks fine. So I... I really think it's it's coaching. I think that they're just that offense again. It just to me, it just looks so strange the way it's operating this year that I, I really feel like just like a couple, a shift in philosophy is, is going to do a lot there. Obviously, we're we're kind of you know it's that's a little bit of narrative. It's a little bit of relying on the coaches to do something positive, but they, I mean it just can't be any worse. So um, you know, again, it's, at the very least, it's going to give you a more unique using Brandon Cook in Texan stacks. It's going to make your stack more unique for Billy makers and stuff like that. That's, that's what you want. So. All right. Any other cheap wide receivers you want to mention before we move on? Uh, I mean, I give a little bit of a shout out to Jeff Smith. It looks like the, um, you know, min price play. Um, he's going to be like 1% owned as well. I, I just really like him. He looked really good last week. Uh, again, just another guy. I kind of went back and watched every catch out there coming back to the ball. He's got four sub four, four speed. 
Um, he just looked really good. And, and again, I know I kind of hate the fact that he's playing with Joe Flacco because he looked good with Darnold. <laughs> so we don't know how that's going to work out. But I mean, if you like stacking, you know, the, the Arizona game, then, you know, coming back to Jeff Smith isn't the worst idea. Perriman and Sims aren't playing. It's, you know, Chris Hogan is completely washed. Um, so you basically have Crowder over the middle and then Jeff Smith. I mean, if they just, uh, you know, sort of go pounce down on Crowder, which I think, you know, it makes sense from a defensive standpoint, Jeff Smith could be out there. So um, I think him and Herndon uh, could, could be like good cheap targets from that Jets offense. Obviously, you know, these aren't cash game or anything like that, but uh, you know, just shout out if you're looking for a min price punts at like 1%. I like that play. Yeah. I would have loved Jeff Smith if it was uh, Sam Donald as the quarterback yeah. again. Uh, I'll get some exposure to him just because of the price and that, I mean, he did start, he played a ton of snaps. He got targets last week. Uh, so, I mean, that's all encouraging. It's just, it's hard for me to trust Joe it Flacco. Sucks. It really does suck. Yeah. That, Cause I, I would have liked it a lot, a lot better with Darnold, but you know, again, he's, he's going to be out there. Maybe, maybe we don't need Joe Flacco to be world beater. We just need him to target <laughs> Jeff Smith like seven times. So. Yeah, and I will say this, at least for, for all the Joe Flacco, is he elite? Is he not elite jokes? And Joe Flacco kind of generally sucking, Here's the thing also, as far as backup quarterbacks go, you can do worse than Joe Flacco. There's worse guys you could throw in there like Kyle Allen. So it, it's it's not like it's not like Joe Flacco is a total zero. Uh, oh, exactly. I think as a backup yeah. quarterback, he, he is serviceable. Yeah. Again, I mean, we're bringing up Jets players because we, yeah. we always have a little bit of respect for Joe Flacco and, and his ability to at least get the ball downfield. So agree 100%. All right, so if you guys want to get access to some of the stuff like the projections and ownership that we're talking about, you can get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content from nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes access to all premium content tools on Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and much more. And if you're only looking to play NFL, then sign up for our weekly NFL package, which is only $14.95 or our NFL Weekly Express Pass, which is new. That's only for $3.95. Stop guessing, start winning, join Awesomeo Plus today. So moving on to the tight end position now, and this has been such a ridiculously tough position to fill this year. There has been so little production at, at tight end. However, a little reprieve this week because we've got George Kittle back now finally healthy. Uh, Travis Kelsey finally playing on a Sunday. The Chiefs never seem to have Sunday games, so that's an option. So we, we kind of have three chalk options that are actually viable between Darren Waller, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. If you're only picking one of these guys, which are you going to? Um, it's a tough question. Um, probably going to go with with uh, with Waller. Just the the outright chalk. Uh, I know that's you know obviously just just taking the guy who's, who's you know lowest price between the three. But I, I just can't see um, Vegas being in a spot here where, where they don't just get the ball to Darren Waller as much as possible. I mean, I know I like Josh Jacobs as well, but um, I, I mean, I have th- these three guys graded very, very similarly. But I, I, I do feel like, uh, you know, Waller and Jacobs, uh, when, when the chips are down and stuff for Vegas, those, those are the guys they're going to go to. And with them both healthy, um, that, that, that's who I have. That's just who I have rated uh, on top. So I have Kelsey rated like very, very similar um definitely don't mind going to him either but you know you're asking me to rank them i would go uh waller kelsey kittle yeah so i mean i think all three of them are viable so we are kind of splitting hairs i kind of put jeff yeah. on the spot there but making him pick one uh but it is it is it's actually going to be kittle for me uh he is the guy who was the top overall fantasy tight end last year the other uh, per game basis the other thing too is i think it's going to matter with jimmy garoppolo coming back they've got a plus matchup uh, i hear what you say about jared mckinnon especially if uh if most starts out 
But I also wonder, too, are they going to look to throw the ball a little bit more this week with uh, with all the running backs banged up? And I think that's a possibility. And then getting George Kittle, uh, obviously having uh, Garoppolo to throw to him, that makes a big difference. Nick Mullins actually targeted him a decent amount last week, as, as terrible as, as Mullins yeah. played. The one guy who did benefit was George Kittle. But still, I think that Kittle should be able to have a really big game now that we have uh, Garoppolo back and also a plus matchup against the Dolphins. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, also both fine plays. I think you want to have one of these three in your cash lineup. Uh, and as far as GPPs go, if you're playing multiple lineups, you want exposure to all of them. I, I think that all of them have comparable upside and all of them have really high floors also, which yeah. is a really nice reprieve from just the terrible options we've had at, at tight end. In, in I mean, previous weeks. We, we don't talk about cash game construction too much on this show, obviously, but who would you, who would you take for a cash game there? I'd still go Kittle. Um, I, I'd probably go Kittle or Waller. I, I'd actually fill the tight end position in last. I think how I do it is I build yeah. the rest of, the, of, of my lineup with the players I like. And then if I really need to save the money, I'd go to Waller. If I could pay up for George Kittle, I, w- I would do it. Um, Kelsey's the one guy that I'd be less inclined to play in, in cash. Um, I'm definitely going to get GPP exposure to all three. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same. I'm not saying I necessarily pay up for one in a cash game lineup this week. I think I would actually go with Kelsey for a cash game, but... That's a bigger discussion. Anyways, I just went, I was just interesting. I, I think the the real the real question is like, are you getting Evan Ingram exposure? Are you gonna eat this Evan Ingram chunk? Yeah, def- actually, so the first lineup I made just kind of as a dummy lineup, which I I always hand build one lineup as the as the pricing first comes out. Sure. Yeah. I said before that with with all of the uh with all the chalk going towards Dak Prescott, and I was trying to get exposure to the other side of the game, the, the first lineup I built was a was a Daniel Jones stack with Evan Ingram. Right. And I felt that was a good way to get exposure to that game and upside for a really cheap price. Uh, Ingram is getting a decent amount of ownership, uh, but I do, I think there's a lot of upside in making like a Daniel Jones, uh, Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton stack and then running back with Ezekiel Elliott. So you're playing for the game yep. script where it's like, Hey, the Cowboys get up by 20 points. The Giants are throwing behind are throwing to try to come from behind late. Uh, and the pricing is all, is all good there. So if I'm saving money with one tight end, it, it is going to be Evan Ingram for me. Yeah, and and the thing is, I I, I kind of said it smirkingly. Obviously, he's not going to be that chalky because we have we do have three elite tight ends up there, and people are going to pay up for it. So, um, I love Evan, I love Evan Ingram as a player. I just I, I I've watched every Giants game obviously so far, and like they're they're terrible. Like they're they're not <laughs> doing anything. They're not getting the ball downfield like you want to see him. You know, use his four his you know four four speed. But he he's really he's he's destroyed the Cowboys over his career. I mean, he like every single game he's had like at least seven catches or something to to that effect. Anyways, like he's he's absolutely dominated this team. So um, I I do kind of like it. I admit, like I, I don't I don't really want to trust anything New York. But like it, it, realistically, you look at the ownership percentages too. Like Daniel Jones isn't isn't going to be crazy. So um, you know, own Jones Jones Ingram. And even you know if you threw Slayton in, it's not going to be like the the chalkiest chalk of the chalk this week. It, it's going to be up there in ownership, but you're going to get a little bit of uniqueness there. So um, I I really can't say that it's it's a play I hate. Um, I, I hate trusting the Giants, obviously, but like 4600 for Evan Ingram in a really good spot. I, I'm pretty much going to be on that side most most of the time, even though even even with how terrible the Giants have played. So I don't mind it. Um, I, I think there are some really interesting GPP plays at at tight end though this week. Um, the guy I'm I'm sort of most interested in is is Tyler Higby <laughs> um, going up against Washington. We targeted Mark Andrews. I targeted Mark Andrews last week. 
Um, obviously, he didn't get like a ton of targets. We needed those touchdowns, but that, that is what Washington does. Like they just don't cover the tight end well in any situation. And, um, you know, the the Ravens and the, the Rams are very similar in a lot of ways. They'll use their tight end uh, in the passing game in, in situations like that. They'll go to 12 personnel. Um, I, I think Higby could be in for a very similar game that Mark Andrews had last week where maybe he only catches four or five passes, but those those passes, much like we saw when he caught three touchdowns against another weak team, uh, Philly, they just turn into touchdowns. They just turn into gold. So I don't mind eating like the 1% Tyler Higby here. I, I think that's uh, I think that could be a, that could pay off. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting just because of the price ranges. And at 5,600, nobody's going to play him. I mean, we have him projected no. for, I mean, basically zero ownership right now, which is because with all the ownership going to Waller, Kittle, Kelsey, and he's not quite in that price tier, but he's just below it. So he's going to go totally overlooked. And yeah, I think that I think you could go to him as a contrarian play. Uh, one guy I haven't been on this year, and he's had a, some big games is Dalton Schultz for the Cowboys, yeah. he's just not really getting a ton of targets. He just happens to make one or two big plays per game, and it just seems like all of a sudden he's there at the end of the game. I I don't like Dalton Schultz that much as a play, uh, but I could see people looking at the game logs and just chasing points with him. Have you been on Dalton Schultz at all this year, and <laughs> is this going to be the time you jump on him? No, this definitely won't be the time I jump on him. Um, I, I mean, it's a little bit of Mike Davis syndrome. Like, my brain just can't handle the fact that Dalton Schultz it's also, I, I just feel very, very attacked whenever Dalton Schultz catches a pass because I had so much Blake Jarwin and it just pisses me off to no end. So I just, I think my brain is just like, pretends he doesn't exist. But yeah, I, I think, you know, we talked about the game script a little bit. Obviously we're both kind of on the angle that maybe the Cowboys don't have to throw 50 times in this game um, because it's the Giants. So I think that the guy you cross off your list first has to be Dalton Schultz. I mean, he's benefited from, prevent defenses Dak having to get the ball out quick it's just you know the firing it over the middle Dalton Schultz Dalton Schultz I, I just don't know if, if they're going to necessarily have to do that eight times in this game he might still get four or five targets he probably will but um you know 4800 the price isn't the price isn't a bargain anymore um I'd probably rather take a shot with Logan Thomas with Kyle Allen in a quarterback I think that could actually bump him up his efficiency up I'd probably rather take a shot with Chris Herndon with Joe Flacco in I actually think that could help Herndon get going um, I think one thing that, that Flacco has done consistently over his career actually is use tight ends. So I think Herndon is actually really in play for me as the cheap option. And then uh, just for fun, I'll throw one min price play. I don't know if you got anyone that's interested you at like 2,500 on DK, yeah. but um, no, yeah, fair enough. I mean, look, I mean, from an interest point, I say, you know, you're making unique GPP lineups. You just want to pump on position. Richard Rogers, man, he's basically taken over the, the Dallas Goddard role in Philly um, should be playing like, you know, at least 40% of the snaps. He's getting a few targets. Who else is Carson Wentz going to throw to? So, I mean, it, it's kind of that situation. You're obviously just hoping he gets, you know, three or four targets and maybe falls in the end zone. But uh, 2,500, that's the only sort of viable guy I could really uh, find out there this week. All right. We're coming close to the conclusion here. We get to defense, my least favorite position in fantasy, because I always just kind of feel like it's a crapshoot, but it's there. So it's always something we have to mention uh, on the high end. The Rams aren't really picking up any ownership going up against Washington, which I think is pretty interesting with uh, Kyle Allen taking over a quarterback. Uh, I don't usually like to pay up at defense, but I actually did last week, and I'm probably going to again this week because I don't really see any obvious cheap defense. I think the Rams are a good one to go to going up against uh, Kyle Allen. The Washington offense has been terrible so far this year. I don't think it's going to change with with Allen a quarterback. Uh, which defense would you, if which defense stands out the most to you? 
If I'm paying up, I'm going to go to Pittsburgh. Um, I still think that uh, the, the the filial line is a real issue. They got through it last week. Um, I think that was a little bit of, a, a, you know, the, the 49ers fatigue with, with injuries and stuff. But Steelers are a different beast. They're, they're full. They're, they're ready to go. They're off a bye. They're fully healthy. I think, I think Carson Wentz could get murdered in this game. Like, I, I, honestly, I mean, um, I, I really like the Steelers. You got a really safe floor there. Um, they still haven't gotten any defensive touchdowns. They're averaging like over nine DK fantasy points per game. So uh, I actually really like paying up for them. This is a week two where you can get up to them. I mean, again, we just, we've said it like four times in the show. There's just not, you don't, there's no one you necessarily have to have to pay up for. There's guys in low in spots that are really interesting and can pay up for, but um, you can, you can get the Steelers in this week uh, for sure. So I really like the Steelers. I think I'm kind of sold on the Browns being like the sub 2,800 play that I'm going to go to. Uh, Philip Rivers targeting him, never a bad thing. Like I said, I do like the way the Browns are playing, uh, giving them a little bit more credit. Colts have a good defense too, so you could absolutely go to the other side if you just think I'm obviously full of of malarkey or whatever. But um, yeah, I I, I don't mind the Browns for the cheap D. Uh, I'm probably going to skip the Texans chalk. I don't know. Is there anyone you really like punting with? Because I, yeah, the Dolphins maybe. Like, uh, I just, I I can't do it. I, I can't do the Dolphins. I don't mind the Jaguars at 2,900. I mean, if, if the yeah. Texans are going to be chalky and the Texans off the, the Texans offensive line ha, has been, you know, awful this year. So I, I think going after the, uh, the Jaguars a little bit makes, makes some sense there. Um, yeah. I mean, especially if Watson's going to be taking up a lot of ownership. That's, that's something I think makes sense as a contrarian play, but I, I never really have all that much conviction in a defense. Um, so let's wrap up here, Jeff. And by the way, also, a little, a little tie in here. Not only are we going to hit our favorite stack of the week, but if you go to awesome.com, the free content of the day is the NFL premium stack tool. So with that in mind, there who's you your stack of the week? Oh, I, I'm, I'm like very undecided at this point in the week for, for where I usually am at. Maybe that's a good thing because my, you know, when I get too high on something, I just get very straight focused and I can't change my mind. Um, I, I'm going to say this Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins stack goes for like 60 points. Um, so I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that's, that's where we should go is, is Arizona. This is the Arizona stack. Well, I got news for you. That's the exact same one I've written down. So okay, well, let's go. We what's, your, what's, what's your second favorite one? I'll go with Daniel Jones, Devin Ingram. Cause that's, I mean, that's the yeah. first one I built this week, but yeah, I think, I think as a contrarian stack, I view the Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, very similar to how I viewed Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews last week, where it's one, maybe the pricing isn't perfect, except it's just too low owned for what the upside of those players are. So that's how I feel about the Kyler Murray to, to, to Andre Hopkins this week. It's, it's, if, I mean, two weeks ago, that was the most highest owned play on the slate. Now all of a sudden everybody's off them. So I, I do think it makes sense to go back to them. And with that, we're done for the week. Guys, we still have the NASCAR show coming up. There's going to be MMA live before lock later. So check those out also. Uh, before you leave the door, make sure to give Jeff and I the thumbs up. That helps us with the algorithm and however YouTube works, it's magic. So we'll be back next week.